Hello and welcome to my podcast and she was. I'm Julie Wilson-Nimmo and I just love the chat more than life itself. I cannot get enough of it. This podcast series aims to give inspirational, eloquent and motivational women who live and work in Scotland a voice and a platform to share their enthralling human interest stories with us. I love gabby, feisty women and I'm fascinated as to how they got to where they are today. I am super excited about my guest on this week's podcast. This Scottish feisty, funny and fantastically talented TV and film costume designer has enjoyed an incredible journey over the last three decades. Originally from a small Scottish central belt village, Kate Carn has gone on to enjoy a successful career as an Emmy award winning designer to A-list stars in Hollywood. She's admired by everyone who works with her. She's now based in Cape Town, South Africa, and she's the go-to designer for Hollywood big-name directors such as Danny Boyle, Alan Parker, Ridley Scott. They all just love working with her. I worked with her once years ago, and I enjoyed her infectious sense of humour. She has remained completely grounded and humble in what can be a very shallow and competitive world. We had a brilliant catch-up. I wanted to get to know the Kate before she became this famous award-winning designer. What drives her and just how important it is to have a sense of perspective and humour in a cutting-edge world of the film industry. And she didn't disappoint. And here is how our conversation unfolded. Kate, it's so good to have you here. First and foremost, welcome. Oh, I'm like over the moon to be asked it's such a pleasure thank you for having me oh, not, not too dreary at all and listen you could never be too dreary at all you're on my wish list from my wee suki book that i'll show you at the end when we were talking about this about a year ago but i've known you through a job through an acting job yep. without sounding too any but kate is a famous she hates that word's doing the wee mouth um costume designer um and she is one of scotland's um most famous um expats I would say because she now um, lives in Cape Town where we'll go back to all of that so welcome back to Glasgow because I know you've came here through a job Um, you're doing Good Omens just now the TV series season two of Good Omens for Amazon Prime and the BBC I was like over the moon to be offered it I'm having the absolute best time of my life it's such a great job and it's so amazing to be back in Scotland I'm loving it so when that happens and you know you're going to be shooting was it was it just like this is what this is what I'm going to make this work or do you have to put other things go or do you know well in advance that it's coming up um well the conversations about it started kind of January February time um I was shooting another job in Cape Town as you said where I live and you know that you get lots of conversations and lots of calls. Are you available? Are you interested? And you know, if you get five calls, maybe two of those jobs pan out, and you actually get the offer. Maybe not. None of them do. Yeah. So you're kind of like I bounce all the balls and say yes to everything. And then when something really comes in hard and fast, and they start speaking to your agent, you think, God, this is real. I mean, to be honest with you, it was a no-brainer for me. It gave me an opportunity. My kids are older now. It gave me an opportunity to come home. Some of my best friends in the world are here. It's a great project. So Costume-wise, it's a great laugh to do because we do a bit of period, we do contemporary, we do fantasy. Oh. Every single scene is different. And I had just finished um, working with David Tennant. I'd done a year with him from 
2019 and over 2020 throughout COVID, we shot quite a bit as well. Um, we were doing a TV show that's coming out at Christmas called Around the World in 80 Days. So he was kind of known to me. So it was kind of like, you know, a no-brainer to oh. come back. And so you're in the middle of it? Are you nearly finished it? No, or? we shoot until the middle of February. Oh. And I'm already taking you know, doing calls for other work so I can stay on here for a bit. I'm hoping, I'm hoping maybe I'll maybe do the next couple of years here if I can. Okay, that's major. Yeah. No, and I'm it's very excited. excited. That's made me really excited. <laughs> and so you mentioned your kids, um, Teddy. And Kitty. I always remember those names when I didn't have kids, thought they were the coolest. How old are they both now? So Kitty works with me. She's come over from Cape Town as well. She's one of my key standbys. She's actually looking after David on the floor and, Teddy is finishing school in Cape Town. He's got his final exams next week. And then I go home for Christmas. And then he comes back in January. And I've managed to get him a wee job. He's going into the set deck department. So it'll be like we are family on that show. Because oh, I remember one of the jobs at the comedy unit. Um, I think you were doing Gregory's Two Girls. Yep. I've jumped on your CV again, which I actually tried to get in. And I remember driving in there and you goes, give me the CV and photo and you took it in for me. And the kids were in the car and they were tiny. Oh. So that makes me feel a wee bit older. But at the same time, it just shows you how quickly time goes by. Oh, do you know what I, I mean? Like, I try not to feel old. I mean, like, you look old. We all look older. You That's do not. What it is, but I don't feel old inside. Good. And for as long as I can keep feeling young inside, you know, I, I'm still raring to go. So where are you originally from in Scotland? Is it Glasgow? No, I was born in Edinburgh. Um, and my dad wanted us to be brought up in the country. So we moved to Fintry in Stirlingshire. <gasps> and uh, off we trot. There's mum, there's dad, there's my brother, who's uh, four years older than me and me. We got to Fintry. My dad did a massive renovation on the main street. He bought several buildings on the main street and was renovating them. And then my mum ran away with the man from the shop. No. There was only one shop in the village and... She met in the lover of her life, as it turned out, and married him. And so my father brought us up. So wow. from six, he brought us up. I was about to say, how old were you in that? Six. Oh, okay. Oh, and how long had you been there till she met this, this about man? About three years. Wow. About three years. It's the weirdest thing, actually, though, because he he um, owned the shop. His parents worked in it, and him and his, his then wife owned the shop. But he was, in fact, uh, an engineer and worked on expat contracts all over the world. So when she said she was leaving, she actually left. And I, I don't think we saw her for five years. I mean, it's actually like a script. She went to live in Korea. He had a job in Korea and they got on a plane and left. And my dad just picked up the pieces and sorted us out. And then the, the, mo the mother of the man that my mother left my father for came and was our housekeeper. No. She knocked on the door to say... My father was an actor and a writer. A famous actor. He was quite a well-known yes. Scottish actor, but she, because he was then... A, in the 70s, it was unheard of. People didn't really get divorced. It didn't really happen. And it certainly didn't really happen that the wife left. It was the other yes. way around. It was more the norm. So um, Mrs Forbes knocked on the door to say she was embarrassed about what had happened and was there anything she could do to help. And she was with us, I think... 
for about five or six years. And she just came every morning, got us up for school, kept the house going, enabled my dad to be able to go and work. And she was she became like a grandmother to me and my brother. She was amazing, absolutely amazing. Kate, I can't believe that you've only started talking and we're getting like a screenplay out of this. Oh, like, no, oh sorry. Oh, no, but it, but it is. It's, Everybody's life is a screenplay, though. Not like that. I mean, that's like... Oh, I don't know. I think if you take the ch- time to chat to anybody, yeah. everybody's got a wee story in them, you know? They're not... You can't ever take anybody just at face value. People have got great stories in them. But you're six years old, and are you the... the and your family, is it brothers and sisters? Just one brother. One brother. Is he yep. younger, older than you? Older by four years. Right, and so how did he cope with it as well? Were the two of you... Well, I think, do you know... I think it was much harder on him, if, if I'm honest, because I think at six... You know, your mum's there to put a plaster on your knee if you cut yourself or give you a sweetie. I was very close to my dad. Look, I, I, it was what it was. And I think, I, you know, it seems like a, it is a lifetime ago. I think I've always been very, very resilient and very good at being independent. Yeah. I've kind of had to be too. I think my brother probably has taken things harder that have happened. My father died when I was 15. And I think those things hit us very hard. But like I say, I'm just uh, luckily very, very strong and very independent. And it takes a lot to knock me down. Yeah. So I was just fortunate with that disposition. But you and your brother um, still close? Oh, yeah, he's coming up this weekend. He he lives just outside Manchester and... He and his wife are coming up this weekend. They've been over to Cape Town a few times. Aww. Yeah, the boy they have two boys and my son Teddy and their boys are extremely close. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think maybe because this podcast celebrates strong women, that seems to be our theme, which is really nice. But do you think maybe that's been part of you being resilient? What happened to you? It's not hundred like, percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Look, you know, it's funny because I look at my kids now, you know, t- Teddy's just about to turn 18 and I think, geez, I was on my own from when I was 15. Yeah, because when my father passed away, we were still living in Fintry. My brother was at university in Stirling. I used to just get up in the morning, get myself on the bus and go to school and come back. Just get on with it. You know, that's you don't have a choice. And, and it wasn't it didn't feel like a pity party. It was just your life. Yeah, it really was just your life, you know. Yeah. But I do look at my kids now and I think... I didn't. I never really thought it was. A t- it was very, very young until you have your own children, and then you go. That was hectic. Yeah. That was really hectic, and I'm really glad that my kids have had a fairly stable upbringing. You know, I've always been there for them, and I'm. I, I take the role of being a mum really, really, really seriously. I, I adore them, and without a doubt, they're the they're the biggest achievement of my life. They're amazing. Oh, they're amazing. Okay. There's so many things I want to ask you. I'm going, oh, I want to go back to your dad and I want to go back to so many things. But your dad, if people don't know, was, a, a, a say, famous, very well-known Scottish actor, but he, he was also a writer as well. Yeah. Do you mind talking to us about your dad a little bit? Oh, my dad was magic. You know, he was hilarious and great fun and incredibly flamboyant. Um, he just kind of took on the role of mother and father. He did an amazing job of it. He... You know, he was the sort of person, he was incredibly creative. We all, I always tell a story, it makes my friends laugh about, you know, I would come home from school and my dad would have recovered the sofa. <laughs> and 
he would have made out of the remnants from what he hadn't used on the sofa, a pair of trousers, a waistcoat and a Donny Osmond cap for me. So, <laughs> That's where you got it from. I know, well, that, but I do think that, you know. And yeah. I, came, I used to come home and they'd be lying on the bed and I'd be like, magic, and I would get all dressed up and my dad be like, where are you? And I'd be like, I'm on the sofa, but you can't see me because I'm on <laughs> the sofa. <laughs> You've camouflaged in completely. <laughs> you like the stylish version of sound and music. No, completely. <laughs> completely. That is what yeah, it was like. Oh, but he used to make loads of stuff. He was just, you know, he's just a good fun. He was a great laugh. Like one of the loveliest memories I have of him is when we used to live in the house in Fintry. I used to go to my bed at night, and he used to sit typing in the dining room. So I used to fall asleep every night. Oh. So obviously before laptops and all that but I would hear the click clack of the typewriter it was so reassuring so your dad's Victor yep. Karen yep. So just name checking him again there in case people didn't know so was he a stage actor as well as being successful on television and um, well television back then you've got to remember he died in the 80s so TV back then well we lived in Fintry we had a black and white portable tv and it was rented from the i think it was the der we get one <laughs> channel it was bbc bbc one and we used to go on holiday to an auntie up in stonehaven nice to get dead excited because they had itv and the only thing i wanted to watch was the commercials <laughs> so i was to love it but back then there, there wasn't the amount of television and channels that there is now yeah. so he did he did he wrote a lot he, he spoke fluent um italian he used to do a lot of translating italian stuff he had a lot of stuff he wrote for a uh, stage plays for the stage translations for the stage but latterly he didn't like performing on stage because he was too scared oh no i think i don't know i think yeah, I, I could never act i don't know how you lot do it i think it's the worst job on the planet i would <laughs> bottle it every time i had to get up there and open my trap i have heard that especially with my older actor friends the older you get the more nerve-wracking it gets to go on stage yeah. which is really not giving me the fear when i'm about to start another job on stage but i do hear that a lot so was there i hope you don't mind me asking this because it's cheesy so did your dad have like showbiz parties and stuff at your house did he have like a well you know like People there that we cut. were kind of Una McLean and her husband Roy were the um, witnesses at my dad and mum's wedding. No so way. Una was always very around for us growing up, and naturally, when my dad got ill and then eventually passed away, I mean, like Una was amazing to me. She just she was there at any time in my life if if I went away in a job and I was looking for a flat to come back to, I just moved into Una's. She just, she really was. Uh, yeah, so yeah, there was lots of people. I mean, it's just been in my blood my whole life. So can you remember the first TV programme or even a film that you sat and watched as a little girl and went, I want to, to, uh, to be a costume designer? 100%. Yes. I remember going to see The Wizard of Oz I never. I still now get goosebumps when I see it. I absolutely love that movie. Oh. And you know, it starts out black and white. Oh. And I remember sitting. My dad took took me. I'm sure my brother must have been there as well. But I remember sitting in the picture house, and I think it was at the the Allen Park picture house in Sterling. And I remember sitting there, and you know, you're loving it because it's like it was black and light white, like the TV we had at home. And then it goes to Technicolor. I, I just remember. 
I thought my head was going to come off my shoulders. I'd never, like, I don't, I'd never seen anything like that in my whole life. And also because of the nature of the design of that job, everything was big and over the top and bright and colourful and it was just gorgeous. And I, I remember looking at that wee Dorothy and thinking, oh, I want to make a dress like that. Oh. And her red shoes. I mean, it was just like this magical, magical world. Magical world. And when you're talking about that, there's just thinking um, about sound and music. We're talking about films here. So I, I should have asked you back a minute ago, but when you're talking about your dad making clothes, did he then teach you to sew? Did he have a sewing machine or did someone else teach you that? I cannot sew for toffee. Oh, really? I mean, I can take a hem up, but maybe not so well. I can't sew for toffee. Look, I was just dead lucky, Julie. You heard Julie. it here first. <laughs> Chicane sew. <laughs> but you know what? After my dad passed away, I, I, you know, I was at school doing exams and stuff and I had a boyfriend at the time, I was what, six, 16, 17, and he was a very beautiful boy who I met and he worked, he was in the Merchant Navy, so he would be away for a while and then he would come back and he came back, he was actually living with me at that time, which is probably not so cool because I wouldn't allow my child to do that at 17, but anyway, I had no parents, had no parents <laughs> with it. <laughs> He came home one day and he had two um, plane tickets. He bought a package deal holiday for us to go to Tenerife for three weeks. So instead of going into school the next day to sit my maths level, I got on a plane with him and we went to Tenerife for three weeks. <laughs> and I never thought about school then. I just thought, this is magic. Sun was shining, wee beer, it was grand. And then about five days before we were due to come back, I panicked because I was donkey brown and I was thinking, I'm going to have to go back into that school and kid on, I've been sick for a fortnight. And I've <laughs> been lying here in the tan. sun, donkey brown. <laughs> so I went up to the wee shop and I bought a load of postcards and I thought, right, I'm going to just apply. I, th I, I wanted to work in the theatre. You knew then? You well, did. I just, that was what I knew. I didn't really know anything else. And the only other thing I thought about maybe doing was trying to get into art school, but I wanted to work in the theatre. So I literally, I'm not even joking, sent postcards to every theatre in Scotland that oh. I could think of from that beach. And it was literally like the theatre in Perth wow. and the McRobert Centre Stirling. I didn't even have addresses. There was no way to look any of that stuff back then. There was no internet or anything, you know. Yeah, but the fact that you even had the initiative to do that, that's like... I don't, I think I I don't know if it was an issue. I think I just crapped myself because I thought, oh my god, I'm going to go back there and I'm not going to have a job. And I'm I've, I've I literally I mean I sat two of my levels out of seven. I didn't even sit them because I was on holiday. Did any of the postcards work out for you then? They did. Yeah, they absolutely did. I you know I got home. By the time I got home, I think about a week after I got back, there was I you know the, the mail that was all in the post, mm. and one of the things that came in was from Perth Rep that said. Nobody had ever applied for a job by postcard from Package to Holiday in Tenerife. <laughs> and would I like you. to go and meet them? So <laughs> that's what I did. And I went up and they said to me, what did I want to do? And I basically said, look, I don't, I don't know what I want to do. I'll do anything. I'll sweep the stage. Oh. I'll sell the sweeties. I'll sell the tickets. I'll do the washing. I'll do anything. And... I, they, they, I don't know how it happened, but they made me the dresser for... I was Walt, Walter Carr's dresser no for way. the pantomime. That was my first, first ever job. job. Yeah. 
And it was Walter Carr and Ron Bean. And Ron Bean and his wife, Jenny, were great pals of my dad's as well. So it was quite familiar for me. But I moved up and stayed in a friend's house just outside uh, Perth. And I used to get the bus in and out. I used to crap myself because the house I was staying in was in Ammon Bank. So you get the bus out at 11 o'clock at night. And then there was a great long drive. It's Anne Kidd's house. No way. A great long drive out up to the top of the drive. And I'd have a torch. <laughs> Yourself? Yeah. Young, really young, but bold. You're bold. It was bold, yeah. And Anne Kidd's, uh, if people don't know, know she's a, a, a brilliant actress, a, a brilliant Scottish actress. And that's her house that you were staying in. She had. She was living in London and it was her parents' house. So she let me stay there. She, they, I mean, look, uh, over my life, the generosity. I mean, I try now to give back as much as I can whenever I can. Not just in money terms, but in in trying to be supportive and helpful because like I wouldn't be where I am today without the help that I got given so generously and without question and the kindness that I've received as I as I made the journey into kind of proper adulthood you know I've just been very fortunate with the people that I've encountered and I've never ever taken it lightly and I feel very grateful for it and I'm very conscious of trying now to pay back as much as I can of that because you know, we. I think it's just so important for people to be kind to each other and to help each other. There's not enough of that about. No, and and you are like that. That that that's what you're always like. That's why I've always been drawn to you. And honestly, hearing you saying that is really inspiring. Which is what the whole thing about this podcast is about for me. Because, you know, you're sitting there saying all of these things, but it's like fate as well. I'm a wee bit happier the older I'm getting. Kate, bear Get with me. But the way, oh, there's my crystal in <laughs> my neck. But the way that things have fit in, the fact that you wrote those postcards right. Let's face it. You went. I'm going to then. You go to Perth and then it's somebody harking back from your dad to go, yeah. do you know what Listen, I mean? Listen, he is like, still to this day, he's like the, the angel on my shoulder. Oh. I mean, I I miss him dreadfully. I, I feel his presence so strongly. I wouldn't be massively religious, but I would say I was quite spiritual. But he is with me. I mean, literally, when I was sitting in the car before I came in here, I was thinking, God, Dad what the hell am I doing going in there to talk about myself? And I thought he would be like, get your arse up those stairs, you'll be grand, you'll be fine, just get on, mate. Never shut up, you've got plenty to say. Of course you do. But that's the thing, like, Victor, I feel like I know him now, but Victor, (laughs) he he would be so proud of you, do you know what I I mean? I hope so, you know, I think, you know, considering the circumstances and everything, I think both my brother and I, we've you know I think that's the thing as well we've done okay and you look around your pals and and you think geez you know what we're lucky we we, we've done okay when like we work bloody hard for everything we've got and you know whether you're the milkman or the women working in Tesco's or whoever you are you know you don't get anything unless you put your back into and and you have to graft I've just been very fortunate that I ended up getting a job that I loved and you know I get excited to get up in the morning and go to work, but I kind of think that's probably my disposition anyway. I don't, I'm not, I'm lucky I don't get played with depression or anything like that. Just, I'm too stupid to be depressed, I think. But most things I just always, my dad always used to say to me, if you're feeling a bit down, you've got to look for the little chink of light and you've got to keep walking towards it. And the, and the harder you walk towards it, the bigger the light gets. And it's so true. 
Oh. And I, 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 that's what I live by, you know, just try and be positive. And, and I can imagine you being like that, like that, especially with your children, but also when you've got your team and all that. And, oh, and we'll yeah. come to that because I'm getting excited to hear about I your love journey. My team. So I'm still filming it. So I'm back in Perth. You're doing the panto costumes. Yep, you're yep. there. You're loving your life, I presume. No, I loved it. And I can imagine the costumes for panto there must have been amazing. Oh, like it's like, like hats. a polka dot and a hat and a sparkle. Yeah. You're just like that, my God, what's going on here? Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And did you stay? there and do a season then no, or no no I did one panto and I don't know you maybe don't rem- remember because you're a lot younger than me but back in the day there used to be that newspaper the stage oh yes so I remember still going, going. In, it is not as so yeah oh well th- back then it used to have all the adverts for all the jobs and I remember walking into the green room and the fabulous Annie McCready oh. was, she was the stage manager she was sitting and she was going out with Andy Gray at the time oh. she went on to marry him they were all and he was in the panto they were all there at that time oh, great wow. with great laughs we used to go to the salutation in Perth for the dancer on a Saturday night after the oh, after the theatre <laughs> um, but she was sitting there looking as glamorous as ever with the le- red lipstick reading the stage and I didn't even know what it was and I was like that what is that and she said oh it's a paper that you get to tell you about all the jobs and the theatres and, the t- and if there's any TV jobs so I was straight down to that RS McCall the next day to get my own copy <laughs> <laughs> never looked back and they were advertising then for BBC Scotland for trainees so then I just thought well, I'm going to apply for that I applied for it I got in <gasps> And then that's kind of just how I went to BBC Scotland, started in there and just did everything we did, everything from my kick up the 80s to double bill. I mean, the, the, back in the day, it was a bit of light entertainment. There was yeah. studio work. There was So I a really good training. Coming back to Scotland for me, I have a team in Cape Town that I've worked with more or less non-stop for 10 years. So coming back here was a bit like reinventing the wheel and you gather people together. And I mean, all the people that used to be wee assistants are all designing or they're off doing other things. So it was starting from scratch. But, you know, it was about putting together a team based, I based that all on personality. Yeah. You know what, you, you get the CV and you look at the CV and the dreary ones with no chat, just like, <laughs> oh, no, sorry, boring, dull. And then you, and I call them up after I whittle it down and have a bit of chat with them on the phone. You know, I can't. I'm, I got help from my friend here, Dina, my pal here, who used to work with me. She yeah, helped yeah. me put. To, oh, she's amazing. She helped me put together an incredible crew. And she's worked with me. She used to work with me when I lived here before, and she knows what I like. You know, I just want to have the best fun when I'm at work. Yeah. You know, there's you've got to grind and you've got to do it. But if you can do it while you're pissing yourself laughing, then that's surely like first prize and that's the thing about it I'm going to go back to another one of your um, first films in a sec but I'm just thinking people that don't know because I don't want people to listen to this and go oh what's that I'm obviously they'll, they'll be fascinated with you from the, the start Kate but people don't know like you know costume designers they don't just sit in an office and then send out a team you're in there in the mud you're yeah. in there in the you know you're there before anybody else yeah. even before some of the first crew when you're filming something making sure the place is warm for the actors coming yeah. in and you know you are there and you're usually the last people to leave the set yeah. I mean as you say as well without putting anybody off but you need to you know it's a hard graft it's oh, like look I think it's a it's more of a vocation than a job yeah you know you've got and the hours you work in an hour industry are crazy but then do you know what Julie more and more I realise like I think a lot of industries work crazy hours yeah I yeah. think I don't like I think it's 
it's not easy to work. You have to work hard for everything you get, regardless of what industry you're in. And, I, you know, I've just been lucky that I was in something that th the thing I loved more than anything for my job was there was never two days that were the same. Uh, yeah. So every day you go in, it's a different scene or it's a different location or a different costume or whatever. I, you know, I, I, I'm not going into the same office day in and day out. But that said, you know, we are based out in Bathgate. I've been in that office since August. I'll be there till... February and God willing, if somebody else gives me another job, I'll be there a baby bit longer if that pans out for me. Yeah. So I, you know, I do have an understanding of what office life is like, but not to the extent probably of the people. But I think now after that pandemic as well, nobody's really working in office. It's a new world. It's fantastic. Yeah. It that is. people are able to work from home and, you know, just make their jobs work better for them and integrate for their family and actually just to have a life. You know, I think the pandemic has been hectic for so many people. But again, always with the positive spin, I'm always like, oh, but what was positive? <laughs> you know, if, if you can look for the positives out of it, you know, yes, it was a t shockingly horrific thing that happened to the whole world. But there were positives out of it too. You know, the nature came back to life. People spent time with their families. I mean, I... I've gone job to job to job to job. I work really hard to pay for a house that I manage to spend every weekend in, but I don't really get masses of quality time there. And, you know, we were stood down on our job in March and, you know, we went into family jail, just me and Kitty and Ted in the house. I, of course, was so delighted and Teddy tells me he'd probably be in therapy for the rest of his life. Because, <laughs> You're trapped with me. You know, because he was doing the school studying and stuff and I used to get up in the morning and do the school with him and I was doing budgets and stuff for other jobs, helping doing, I would get a bit of work in from Amazon Prime, do costume budgets for them and Teddy would be at school and then at the end of his school day, we used to, Kitty and I used to give him what we called lessons in life, which were how to work the washing machine, how to make the breakfast, how to do an ironing, how to... I mean, the best one was the pegging of the washing out and the washing line. Oh, that must have took a bit of... No, it was limb. pathetic. <laughs> I mean, like, I was like that. If I got a dunce for a son, how on earth does he not know how to peg a washing out? He didn't even shake in out. He just wanged it over and then stuck pegs on top. And Dance then complained style. when things were all, were all wrinkled when they tried. <laughs> But it is that though, isn't it? I mean, there you go. I actually weirdly liked it as well because I'd been in Chevy trapped. Yeah. And, and they kept going, you're really enjoying this? You're a weirdo. And I was going, I'll never get this again. No, but it was, but things like that. Look, we were lucky because our kids were the age they were. Now, I don't thought, I would not be sitting here all smiley-wily if I'd had babies Toddlers. or two, three, four-year-olds. I'm so glad mine are up now. Yeah. But as young adults in the house I mean I think they would have about two or three meltdowns but over the course of four months it was amazing but that was one of the questions later on I'm just thinking about it to ask you the now because you genuinely and I'm not just saying this you can look it up in IMDB she hasn't stopped the stuff that you've done so for you to then be working 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 and then to stop like that and then I needed it see there you go but do you think that that time has now made you enjoy your job even more um, look, I think out of necessity, I'm a single parent and I've been a single parent for the last 12, 13 years. So I had to back to back and, you know, it's so busy in Cape Town, you turn down more work than you could take and it's all international product. It's a British or American product. None of it, I don't get offered the local stuff. You know, you, I would be prepping one, shooting one and wrapping one just because I needed to earn the money and keep everything going. You know, it's just, it was your life. But about 
I suppose about 2016, I'd managed to get myself to a position where I could afford to take maybe six weeks off over the year. So it, it was slightly less crazy. And then this hit. And you just, I don't know, I'm back on the hamster wheel. And I think that's also why when I was given the opportunity to come here, because, you know, Cape Town, Africa was shut down. It was, it was locked. You couldn't fly in, you couldn't fly out. Mm-hmm. Um, so to get the opportunity to come here, it was just like, well, yeah, I'm going with bells on. A great job to come to. My, some of my closest friends in the world are here. Kitty was coming. Teddy was going to join us. You know, I, listen, I'm Scottish through and through. I, I should work for the Scottish Tourist Board. <laughs> you know, I, I love it. I love it. And, I, you know, everywhere I go, I'm so proud to be Scottish. It's never, that accent is as rough as dogs, but it's never shut a door. So you're at the BBC, you're yep. lucky to be doing all these yep. different jobs. And so then um, you get a chance in 1994 to work on Danny Boyle's directorial debut, Shallow Grave. Can yep. you tell us how that came about? I was sharing a flat in Havelock Street in Glasgow. I had re- I had a- bought my first flat in London Road and I'd rented it out to go to London to do a job. I wasn't designing, I was assisting at the time. And then the job fell through, so I'd rented my flat out and I'd nowhere to stay. So I just asked my pals and they had a box room in this flat in Havelock Street. So I went and lived with John Booth and Neil Calder and my pal Claire Hemsley and we just had the best laugh. And Andrew McDonald, who produced Shallow Grave, was staying now and then, was sleeping on the sofa in and out. So we all just hung out together. And then when they got the green light to meet that, he said to me, do you want to come and design the costumes on it? And I was oh. like, yeah. Weirdly, I had done a little film um, when I first left the BBC called As in Land, which I don't even know, it's on my CV. which don't was it. Um, <laughs> A little Gaelic job directed by Douglas McKinnon. It was his first film out of film school, and that's who I'm now working for on Good Omens season two. Oh my god, that's weird. But the shallow grave. That's how I got in. I mean, we had we were laughing, laughing, laughing the other day about we'd had no money. I think it was seven thousand pounds to do all the costumes on the show. We'd no money at all. My pal came up from London to work with me, John, and we just had the best time on it. I remember. The very end, we'd spent all the money. I think we'd we'd something like five pounds sixty left in the budget, and they <laughs> cast Ken Stott to play to play the detective. And we were like, "Oh my god, what are we going to dress him in?" He's too. We were hoping that we'd get somebody that wasn't famous, and we could <gasps> just say, "Bring a suit." Yeah. And then they cast him, and we were up and down. We were bartering in the <laughs> charity shops in Byers Road. Can you give me that suit for £2, please? And if it doesn't fit, come here, bring it back. That was in the days before you could return to the charity shop. And he was magic. He was. It's the first time I've... Unless you're manufacturing a costume, which is a design-specific piece, you know yourself, normally when an actress or an actor comes in, you shop for the character and you would give them a few options and you build the character from the fitting. That bold Ken Stock came in to the choice of one. <laughs> and uh, did he like it? Well, he had to. <laughs> he was very gracious about it, but I remember he put the shoes on and he was like that, they're a wee bit tight. And I was like that, Ken, I can angle grind your toes off if that would help, but I'm afraid. That's Using it, the character. 
I said, could you give him a funny walk, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> See, these are the things that people wouldn't believe. Because That's the truth. Look how successful that film went on to be. Yo. And obviously Danny Boyle and, yeah. you know, Ewan McGregor yeah. and Ke- it was Kerry Fox, wasn't was yeah. it? Oh, I yeah. I mean, look at all those people in yeah. that. And was that, so was that a jump up then from doing television? You'd done... Oh, definitely. It was a real springboard. And oh. I'm telling you, that, that, that job and the Spice Girls film... Like those, they just opened doors, doof, 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 doof for me. I, I, you know, back in the day, it wasn't as busy as it is now. But yeah. you know, they they stood me still. People ask about those things. You know, they stood me very well. I was lucky. Oh, I very bet. Lucky. I, I bet. I bet you worked harder. You know, I'm going to ask you what the Spice Girls like. <laughs> Come on, Kate. Can I tell you one thing? Right, see Please? when we did that film, talking of working hard. There are many things there. They at that time they were most definitely the hardest working people that I'd ever come across. Wow. They were the the asks on those girls were crazy. Because that was amazing success, that film, wasn't it? It was, it was like huge, a big but it was like literally at the height. I mean, when I went for the interview, I didn't even know who they were. They had to show me a photograph of them and tell me to watch <laughs> Top of the Pops next time. <laughs> I bet that's brilliant. But that's probably why you got it, because there's probably people going on there all well, sort of starstruck. And... I, 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 but do you know what? That also, I mean, when I look back and that, it feels like 100 years ago. I mean, I think Kitty was just a baby, so it was like, must have been around about 1997 when she was born. But, I mean, I, I packed her up and a nanny and off we went to London to do it. And I don't know, I mean, it, like, I didn't, real, I didn't really realise what I was letting myself in for until it started. And then yeah. it was just massive. And did you, for something like that, because you, you, I wanted to tap into something you said earlier, because I was going, oh, I forgot that exciting bit for you. So when it's something like the Spice Girls movie, are you in from the word go with the script and going, right, yeah. and do you work with them all individually and go, these are the ideas that we've got? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So look, obviously when on a job like that, those girls all came with their own character, you know, baby, sporty, they all had a character that was pre kind of prescribed so you know we went in, I went in we had to work within the confines of what that character was but at that point you know they hadn't really had anything made for them or they hadn't had anybody they had stylists but it was shopping it was there was nothing that had actually been kind of run up and made for them so right. then we I mean that was like when I look back now compared to what I do now to what I was doing then you know you just, it, it, was, it feels very unsophisticated because now you know you work. You've got a team of six pattern cutters. You've got twenty seamstresses. Back then, you know, I mean, we literally had Kenny Ho, who's now a very famous stylist in his own right. He designed Victoria and David's outfits for their wedding. <gasps> but we had Kenny Ho up the back of the wardrobe truck making stuff for them. <laughs> That's <laughs> this how is it great. Was. I, you know, I spoke to somebody, a, a friend of a friend in London. She was working at the. Regent's Park Open Air Theatre and I said I'm looking for somebody that's I need somebody that can come and sew and I can't draw for toffee so it was literally like pasting stuff together doing little look books and, and then buying fabrics and he was at the back of that running them up oh. I mean they wouldn't have stood the test of time and you could have spat a pee through most of them but for what we needed, it was it was it like worked. fast fashion and it worked. And, you know, I, I am really proud of that movie. I, I always think it just looks like the most glorious bloody bowl of fruit. But I was going to say, fruit. if you've not seen it, have a look. It's spectacular. It's like a feast for the eyes. It I is. mean, you must have been 
work it. And they're obviously not just the only people. There's so many other stars in it as well. So yeah. everybody, everybody crossed the board. Every last man Jack wanted to be in that. I mean, it yeah. was insane. Oh, you it must have been so proud of it at the end, were you? Well, I was exhausted. Get a good party. <laughs> it was a good party. I bet. <laughs> it was a good party. No, it was, but then I went straight off of that. I think I finished that on the, on the Friday. We partied on the Saturday and I went flew out to Morocco on the Sunday to go and do another movie. Here she goes. So it's built from that. Yeah. And it just goes from one thing. So did you get another job from being in that, working on that movie? No, I went to Morocco to do Hideous Kinky and I'd worked with Gillis McKinnon before the Spice film. I'm sad about Gillis McKinnon because I kind of feel when I left Cape Town, I, I kind of lost him, which I definitely did, which was fine because I was on the other side of the world and other people step in. But I had absolutely loved working for him and with oh. him and I learned such a lot from him and of you know I, I, he gave me regular callbacks and it, it was just a magical thing to be part of that inner posse I bet um but you know yeah but it is what it is you know people you move people step in it's the natural way of things and I'm sorry to be name dropping because she is in it, but Kate Winslet was in that film. It was a, such a beautiful film. Yeah. Was she nice as well? Oh my God. She is one of the loveliest people. Oh. Absolutely hilarious. And by the way, Kate would tell you if she was there. No, she was <laughs> magic. She used to come and sit in our wardrobe truck and make us cups of tea. Oh, there you go. Great. Oh, do you know what? I've not met too many duds. Right. Let's, Let's get it out of the road because if we were in the pub, we'd ask it. Has there been any divas? Let's call them divas or has somebody challenged you? Like, Listen, I don't mind a challenge. <laughs> there you go, see? She puts a positive spin I on it. I don't mind a challenge because actually, you know, <laughs> you, you don't always have the best idea and I always think when you're doing costume for somebody, you know, they, they I don't have to go out and play that character, they do. So it's really important. Listen, very often you talk to the actor about the character and they're maybe doing two or three other jobs they haven't even thought about the job that you're prepping because they're shooting something else mm. many i mean i'm grateful because many times i've heard when they come out of the fitting they'll say i found that character i didn't really know where i was going with it but I, yeah of course i've been cha not necessarily challenged but I'll, if i mood board something out i send out to an actor and i always say look this has been pre-approved by producers directors but Nothing is a closed door and you are welcome to bring to the party anything you want to add in here because it's a real kind of team effort and it's much more fun. Quite a lot don't want to, but the ones that do are usually the ones that are the best fun to work with. Oh, I would say when you're describing that, I'm just going, I want to be in a picture or something with you when it's that because sometimes it's quite an intimidating thing, especially if it's someone you've not worked with before yeah. and then you go in and all the other things. But for me, because I love doing theatre as well and loads of other actors I've heard talking about, it, it's the costume that, they find. that makes it and you, you put it on and something happens yeah. and without sounding pretentious, but something does if it clicks in the right, we, it's you a go, difference. This is who this is. I get it now. Do you so know? it's going from a piece of clothing. To, I always think, you know, it's from the clothing to the character. We now, like back in the day, we didn't work with a breakdown team. I now have a big breakdown team. Their whole job is to we buy the clothes new and then, you know, it's meant to look like an old grandpa. We, they age it down, they sand stuff off, we dip, we dye, they, you know, they texturize it, they patina it, and they take it from a piece of clothing and make it a character. <gasps> I mean, it's like. I can't even tell you, it's the most exciting part of what I do. I just love that room so much. It's got, so I've, exciting. I've got too much to ask you when, I, when you go into that world. I'm like, oh, like, without 
like you'll hate me bumming you up, but I'm going to have to mention. Oh, there's too many things, but I have to mention the fact that you've been then in front of me for half an hour now, and we've not said the word Emmy. Oh. Kate, Karen, don't you dare do that wee mouth. Has won an Emmy now. I'm sorry, why was that not in the front page of the Glasgow Herald? <laughs> Maybe it was. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, anyone listening to this, but I'm sorry, like, I knew you were amazing, but come on, Kate. Oh, do you know what? Don't you dare try and play that down. No, <laughs> like, I never even went. Oh, don't tell me. No. Were you working? Yeah, but I'd, I... I take us back to that moment then. Please take us well, back to... Well, you just to... get the phone? Like, we were prepping, I think, an episode, a thing, Miss Marple thing, and then my agent rang me to say... You've been nom. Well, I got a message to say you've been nominated for something. I thought, aye, your hat. That's <laughs> Listen to rubbish. Because I just thought she's at it. Because, like, sometimes, you know, they ring you up and they go, oh, can you hold for Tom Cruise? And you're like, aye, Betty, what is it you want? You know, like, they're just <laughs> taking a mic half the time. So you're like, then that'll be a lie. <laughs> and then the email came through and it was all in the official note <gasps> paper. And you're like, oh, my God, that's for real. And I didn't tell anybody for about a week because... Why? Because I was, I don't know, because it's, because I was, I suppose, and it's stupid, but I was a wee bit embarrassed as well, because it's like, hey. you feel like you're bragging. No way, that's such an oh. achievement. But do you know what, it was quite an achievement for that job, because like, we had two Bob on that job. It and was, it was for Gettysburg? Yeah, it's a, Is that a TV civil movie? war, civil war thing, it was for the History Channel, so it's not like I won the caution for the best drama. Look at her putting it down, I'm not having it. Listen... <laughs> But when I, I laugh, I've worked with the same assistant, my divine assistant, Kerry. We've been together for 12 years. And we when we did that, like that was a job that should have had about a team of 20 on it. And I think there was about a team of six. Oh. And we had to make, there was no money and we were in Cape Town and you can't afford to rent stuff in because you can rent all those costumes in America and in London, but the shipping costs alone mean it's too expensive. So you make it all from scratch. And... Cape Town used to have an incredible textile industry, but like the world over, it's dying off and the fabrics are not available. We literally made those Civil War like uniforms dresses. out of tracksuiting. The blue uniforms. We made it out of tracksuiting and backed it on calico to make it look like uniforms. But I think each un each uniform for Cute. those guys, I think, was about I think cost us about twelve quid a and I have looked up images of it because I'm. No, it to... looks great. But it but looks see, fantastic. I'm talking about that's a bit cheeky of me. It looks great. But that, you know, you make it and it's flat, and then you take it to that breakdown department and they bring that flat costume to life. Wow. They give every single thing a bit of character. This man smokes, so he's got bits of ash on him. This man Detail. has thrown up on himself. You know, everything's got a little backstory to it. And yes, that's the most interesting part. But, but see, it's those wee nuances and stuff and the fact you go, I just do a mood board and Kate, come on, you've came up with all of that. Oh, we do. Listen, it takes, it takes all of us. And I mean, like I said, I mean, really, my team are incredible. And I do very much work at, you know, this is my idea, what's your idea, what's your idea? Yeah. I, I don't have a big ego for that. I feel like let's chuck them all in the pot and the best one will bubble to the top. Sometimes it will be mine. Most of the time it's mine because I'm the boss. <laughs> because, but can I tell you, often when they chuck, that younger ones chuck in, I steal from them all the time. Brilliant. Because you can't, also if you're costuming like over 400, 500 people, I can hardly dress myself in the morning. So the thought of having to dress that many folk, you need the help. See. And also for different characters, you know, there's different people in the room that will have a little inside eye to that, that I, I don't have a track on. 
you know, and I, and I would be, I'm always very open to saying to the younger kids, come, what do you think? You know, I, I, like it's a team, it's a real team. But you think, honestly, right, again, you're going to want to look away and do that mouth you're doing when I, when I praise you, but everybody <laughs> that I know, she's taking a cup of tea, a sip of her tea so she doesn't have to look at me. Everybody that I know, and I'm saying it right now, I don't care if I sound like a creepy crawler, um, but everybody that I know that's worked with, you said the same thing about you. You're so approachable. Um, I can imagine the younger ones coming in there. You know what it's like when they come on and do dailies and stuff, bless them. Do you know what I mean? You just have that thing that I love about you. That's how I go on with you, that company feeling that, like, since the start, because people have been good to you, so you've remembered what it probably feels like for that girl or boy oh, coming into that team. I want to come in and feel as enthusiastic and as passionate about it as I do. Yeah. And, you know, not everybody has that spark, but if you see... Most of them do, because I think I'm good at choosing the right people for me round about me, and that person might not suit another designer. But but if I feel there's an energy there, then I'll do everything I can to encourage that and to bring it on and to be inclusive of it. And, you know, we have trainees that come in and, you know, I, I make sure they get a little bit of time everywhere. Like, there's no... Quite often, when I used to start out as a runner, you know, you would come in and all you did was make cups of tea. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I've done six months on that job. I don't know how to thread a needle, but I can make every kind of can Earl Grey tea, <laughs> Tetley's tea. There was always somebody like, make me a tea made out of angel's tears, you know. Like there was always a fancy <laughs> cup of tea, a rose hip, whatever. But I never really learned what I'd gone in to learn. And I never forgot that. And I always thought, if we, if I'm ever in a situation where we're training people up and teaching them, they need to see every... Like, I've learned on the ground, yet if you get the opportunity, you want them to see every part of what's out there. And the department's huge. You know, it covers so many different areas. There's an office department. There's somebody who does the accounts. There's somebody that cut, cuts the patterns. There's somebody that cuts the fabric. Then there's, like I say, the agers, the dyers, the fabricators who make the hats or the leather or whatever, you know. There's endless amounts of talent in there. If you're hungry, you can go and feed off. See, this insight is, oh, it's totally fascinating. Like, even the way you're describing it. Like, I genuinely would give my job up to want to go in and do oh, something. Oh, you should. That. You'd be a great laugh. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you we would have a great laugh. We probably wouldn't get anything done, but we would have a laugh. But of the now, and I'm looking here, 39 plus films you've done. Is it? Yeah. I love that you don't know that. But so, without picking favourites, but you know I'm going to ask you, is there a job in particular that you go... That's been my favourite for experience or designing on or something. I love that you've just dismissed the whole Emmy thing. <laughs> She's still shooting me away with her hands. You know what? For me, at the end of the day, I mean, this is probably not a very cool thing to say. It's not really about the costumes at the end of the day for me, which is really uncool because every oh. other costume designer probably wants to stab me in the eye. <laughs> it's about the people I worked with and the personalities. That's for me what makes a great job your team within my costume department and then the other departments if you get a great art department to work with if you get a great cinematographer mm -hmm. if you get a great makeup person because you know you put forward your best work but unless everybody else is also doing that then we don't present our best picture at the end of the day you know you need all the elements to work together and you know, I've been very fortunate, really. I mean, I could, I, I always think, what, what's my best job? I hope my my best job is always the job I'm working on now. Right, yeah. 
because yeah. that's the one I'm living in. The ones I've done, but they're done, they're done, they're done. And the ones, the one you're working on, I feel like should be your best job and you should be trying to do your new best work and having your new best time on it. Oh. I don't know, I, I'm quite, you know, run hard at most things. We're living in a world where technology in every area no matter what your job is technology is moving us on all the time and you know I could be an old fuddy-duddy and scared of it or I can run at it you know that job that we do um raised by wolves millions of green screen we do we make costumes out of latex every job is a challenge and you know the older I get and the more confident I am as well I feel and after having done that raised by wolves when they, they call it's a futuristic job, um, they called and asked if I wanted to do it. And I was like, that. oh, I can do period and I can do contemporary. But a man in the moon, I'm not so sure about. <laughs> because where do you start with that? And it was for Ridley Scott. And I kind of thought, well, yes. if you're going to space school, I might as well go with Ridley go Scott. Go the best. I know. Go with yeah, him. I'm getting yeah. on that spaceship with him. <gasps> and then you get on it and, you know, you... Yeah, it was that 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 I think that was a big turning point for me, season one of that because it it made me kind of come away from that thinking, okay, I'm going to be fearless. I was pretty fearless before that, but I think that futuristic thing was always something I kind of thought, mm, I if I get offered that and a period thing, I'll take the period because I don't really know that, and then to be given the opportunity to work with somebody, you know, it's it's weirdy wally that job. It's not. Um, <laughs> you know men in spacesuits but it kind of is uh-huh. I, you know I just it, it literally at the end of it I thought man if I can pull this off I'm going to run at anything I get asked to do moving forward I'm not getting any younger I'm 56 I reckon I've got hopefully another That's 10 amazing 15 years left in me because I've got no pension so I'll be working to the day I die but I think I feel more enthusiastic and more energetic about what I do now than I think. I've always been pretty energetic, but I feel really like I've had a rocket put up my bum and I'm running at everything. The fact that you're that age and you're saying your confidence has grown, that's really exciting. That's I so exciting. Also, you know, I bounce balls Nobody's like you saying did. That you enough. have kids. Yeah, and you know, I think if I can still work and do achieve what I've done and have my kids, and now my kids are up, I yeah. feel like I'm getting my life back. I'm so excited for it, and it's what's not to be excited for. And you know, I think women we're amazing. Women are absolutely. I mean, the men are not too bad, but they're all right. But the <laughs> women are just like we we're, we bounce balls. We tick boxes. We think out of the box. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know, I'm constantly blown away by incredible women. And do you mind me asking again, obviously from the, the women's perspective, because in our job and, and TV still, well, I'm lucky enough to get a couple of TV jobs, but they're still guy heavy, yeah, they are. isn't it? Yeah. And is it the same in the film industry still? Is it? Do you notice it changing at all, Kate? Or do you have to fight a bit harder as a woman? I, look, I'm fairly feisty, as you might have noticed. I don't feel that my... I know this is also terrible. I've been fortunate. I'm not sure that my fight has been as real as many others. But also, you know, I I don't really see that gender thing because I've just never allowed it to get in my way. Right. And I... I 
you know, if I if I saw, I mean, I would describe myself as not ambitious, but I actually think that makes me a liar because I I clearly have been more ambitious. You know, I'm hungry, and also I had kids to feed, so I needed to work. So that was the only job I could do. So I ran at stuff. You know, I chased hard after work, so that makes me ambitious, I guess, by the nature of the fact that I would be fearless in sending an email or ringing up because I just think I don't know. Opportunity comes knocking at your door. You've got to knock on that door. Yeah. And you've got to be brave enough to do it. And I think there are a lot more men in our industry. And I feel for actors as well, definitely there's, there's you know, there's a new generation of roles coming through for women. And that's very exciting mm -hmm. because for years and years and years, you were like that, not another bloody suit and some old lawyer or some old policeman. And, you know, there's great stuff coming through. I watched Annika recently, which I loved. Yeah, you know, there's great. good, strong roles coming through for women and... I think probably the problem is that people are not writing for women. So more women writers need to write parts for themselves. And I think you're, I think I heard somewhere that you were looking at starting to do stuff like that as well. I love that, yeah. And, and like you're now one with the wee mouth going off to the side because you're nervous <laughs> thinking about that. But that's crazy because I think if you've got an idea, write it down. Definitely. Because it's no different than a man having an idea and writing it down. It's just that they have maybe a wee bit more historical confidence to be able to run with that. But I just think, bugger that, man. Yeah, but exactly. It's like, we need more voices in there like you going, do you know what? She's won an Emmy, everybody. <laughs> you know what you're talking about. You've worked and you've grafted your whole life because you love your craft. And we shouldn't be, I don't know why. Are we embarrassed about it? I don't know. But then you're getting out because you're embarrassed about your... <laughs> oh, but that's different. That's a stupid thing. But do you know what I mean? It's like, if you're good at your job, if we lived in America, which I did for a tiny short time, we would all be like that. You're amazing. You're blessed. Yeah. And a bit of that actually go, do you know what? As crazy as the Americans can be, a bit of you goes... Why aren't we a bit more like oh, that? Oh, we should be a bit more gallus. I know, because we are gallus. Yeah. But we kind of forget and apologise and go, Well, I bet oh. that's a very Scottish thing as well, isn't it? It's yes. like you're saying sorry before you... Sorry, sorry, sorry before we even done it. I mean, I came in here and apologised saying I probably won't have anything to say <laughs> and I've no shut up <laughs> for about everybody four says hours. that, though, like, genuinely, like, Lorraine was uh, in Magtosh when she came on and even though she was like, I've got nothing to say and my amazing friend... Um, and thanks for your lovely comments on Emily Smith, or my oh. midwife friend, came in. She was like the day before. I don't think I can. Cut. What if I? What if I got of any interest to say? Oh, she was amazing. Excuse me. And you go, but that's us as women. That's oh. us as, you know. what I mean, anytime you start a job, you go, oh, that's it. I'm going they to were get found both out. phenomenal. But the thing about that one about that midwife, I don't oh. know. I think I don't, it must have touched the hearts and souls of any female listening to that, whether they'd had children or not had children. Yeah. I mean. I, I couldn't get enough of her and she spoke so eloquently and so easily and like I said to you, I felt like I was, I mean, I was the mute sitting in your kitchen <laughs> having a cup of tea with the two of you because it was just magic. But Kate is getting thrown right back at you, by the way. Fast. I mean, could you imagine if we were sitting doing this with wine? I think if we do another season, we should have wine. Anyway, <laughs> just an idea, Tony. Um, but I think as well, like, you're getting this thrown right back at you because I could sit and listen to you all day talking about, and you're going, oh, you're saying about Emily, which is so lovely and right. I just, she just blows my mind, but you're blowing my mind as well. Like all the stuff you've done, I've never even looked at the question, all the stuff that you've done. <laughs> but the most exciting thing for me, Kate, is after all this time and not seeing you, you're exactly the same. And it, it's a total so. credit to you. And by the way, I bet your kids are amazing. I want to meet them. But, um, since they were tiny but honestly they must be like so proud of, the, 
of you and you should be so proud of yourself. And I'm going back to your dad thinking, imagine your dad, he would be, do you know what I mean? Oh, I think, do you know what? I often think he would love to sit and have a wee gin and tonic with me now because oh. I both I love a wee gin myself. <laughs> but I just know that, I mean, you're Tony, your producer, his dad looked after my dad when my dad was dying. He, oh, he was my father's physi- physiotherapist, yeah. That's how I met Tony first. Oh, gosh. And, um, you know, I think... I think my dad had a very similar outlook on life to me. You know, it was always about the chink of light, the silver lining, you know, glass half full, not half empty. You know, I just, if if you're able to conjure up that disposition in yourself, even if it doesn't come naturally, you should just try it because it's a much happier way to move forward than, to, I mean, listen, I know it's not everybody's default setting and there's a lot of tortured souls out there and, you know, I, I, I'm I just lucky that I don't have that. I, I just, you know, like, I just think there's, as, as positive as you can be is a good thing. It's good for your health. It's good for your heart. It's good for your mind. Well, it's absolutely working for you because you just, you do, you just, you have this energy about, you just have this way about you that makes me always want to carry on with you for a start <laughs> and laugh. But also I could genuinely listen to you all day. So I'm just thinking now about South Africa in, in Cape Town so when you're there because I remember the times I've been away I do what you're talking about earlier on about missing Scotland and Abby used to bang on to the point where people were like why don't you just go back there and stop talking about it <laughs> but is that a whole thing of will you split your time now and stuff do you think because well look, that would be up? first prize it's right. first prize is to do is to follow the sun I mean I'm a lizard not that you oh. get much sun in Scotland but <laughs> I mean when I took this job on I was so excited to come and then after I'd accepted it the dark realisation of I'm going to be there over the whole winter <laughs> what the hell is that about anyway if I can rejig things a bit better if, you know I, ideally I would, if I could do six months here and six months there that would be me spoilt rotten oh. because there's there's great work everywhere but yeah I mean like in Scotland now I'll, I do a wee a Scottish party where everybody you know everybody's got to come wear a bit of tart and we have a bagpipe player and we <laughs> you know we all yes. bring shortbread and we eat haggis and you know I, I'll never lose that I'll never lose that and you know like my son went to his matric school dance which is like the final school dance you guys have here and he wore a kilt Aww. you know Teddy's not He's, I think he spent, I think, three days in Scotland since he left. His, his father is in Ireland, so he goes to Ireland, not to Scotland when he when he flies over. So him coming in January, it's going to be such an eye-opener for him. And they, both the children say to me that I sound like Shrek when they speak <laughs> to me. They're cheeky boggers. <laughs> Shrek. But it's weird you're saying that because Greg's brother, who lives in... Canada is the most Scottish person I've ever met in my life because he just misses it and he celebrates all the time in any wedding he's got the full kill on and, and it's great because you go Steve come back and he's like no because he loves his life there yeah, do you know what I mean yeah. but at the same time you go I understand that I can totally relate oh, to that but there's not the Scots are great and especially God, I shouldn't maybe say this, a folk from Glasgow. I laughed the first weekend I was here. I went to the neighbours and had my dinner, came home steaming, <laughs> fell down the stairs and nearly broke my toe and then said... Welcome to Glasgow. That is what it was like. And I get into work on a Monday and one of the girls um, one of the <laughs> girls in my office said, how, how was your weekend? I said, God, I was steaming. And Friday night she went, were you steaming or were you Glasgow pissed? <laughs> I said, I think I was the second <laughs> And do they get your patter out there, your banter? And Definitely. I think it was tough to start with. Hmm? <laughs> Strangely. <laughs> but now, 
But now, like, they'll come up to me and say things like, is that too manky? Ah. Or, like, you know, they've all, and I learn wee words from them, but you no, know, they've got all, they've got a few wee bits in their vocabulary that are very, very Scottish. Right. Because when I went telly, nobody understood. No, I'm sure. <laughs> Terrible. And they're quite, they don't make any effort. Oh, now. no. Let's just slow it down. And you're like, what? <laughs> oh, don't. The worst for me in, in Africa is if I have to speak on the phone to anybody. Oh, I mean, do you, you do think an accent? I was speaking double Dutch? Yeah, do you do a kind of posh accent? I, even that's rubbish. Right. If I do my posh phone voice, they're still like that. I'm sorry. I used to have to. Remember trying to make spaghetti bolognese, and I was in a supermarket nearly, and, and there was nobody about, and I just tried my, my worst American <laughs> accent. Let me tell you, Kate, the spaghetti bolognese ingredients were in that trolley, but yeah. see, when I was trying to do it in my own accent, oh, they were just like mystified, chance. and then I had to listen to them all tell them they were related to. Um, Robert the Bruce and I was like I need to make the dinner mate <laughs> Robert the Bruce <laughs> uh-huh. you know how they're all like I'm sure they all ask you if, oh. you, if you knew Jimmy Carr who lives in number <laughs> you're like that no he lives in Aberdeen I'm from Glasgow well, they all thought it was from Ireland as well because they think that's by the way we'll need to cut that bit out it sounds pure slag in the Americans <laughs> but they're not the brightest <laughs> Like, I just love the chat. Like, I, yeah. I love my job, but my favourite thing, like you, and I think that's how I relate to you so much, is I'll start a theatre job or something or a job on the telly, if I'm lucky enough. My favourite thing, and I'll tell Greg time and time again when I come home, is the chat. <laughs> See if I've yeah. made a pal or had the chat. Somebody in the... We're all sitting, and you just connect. See that yeah. connection? It's incredible. It's, it's But that's what it's all everything. about, isn't it? It's human connections. I always say to Kitty, you know, my daughter, you'll meet lots of boys... And you'll have lots of boyfriends in your life, but make sure you surround yourself with good women. You need a few good women because they will pick you up when you fall down. Yes. They'll be the wind at your back when you need them. But you need good women to be your pals. Because oh. everything else comes and goes and the good women are there. I've got them. They've been, I've had great oh. pals. And the odd gay friend, they're also good for that too. We love the gay friends. Well, I do, I love a gay But they're women and all. <laughs> Sorry, but yous are. <laughs> yes, yous are, and yous know it, and yous love us for it. But it's that kind of way where you go, oh, Kate, how nice is that that you're on our last one saying that? Because that's what this, this is what this is about for me. It's just talking and connecting and whatever the job is, it is honestly, whatever the job is and just being, go tell me your story. Yeah. But if you don't mind me asking just one last thing because you're talking about um, Kitty there. So if you could go back, Kate, to your younger self starting out in this job, is there anything that you would, even a bit of advice you would give to the younger you? That, that you could pass on? Do you know, when I started out and I worked at the BBC and I would be out in the cold and the rain as a standby holding a brolly over the actors, I used to look around and go, whose job's better than this? <laughs> I used to think, I'm going to be a sound man because sometimes they get to go home early because sometimes they'll have a mute shot at the end of the day and they all bugger off, I'm going to be one of them. And then I looked and I thought, no, I'm going to be the costume designer, that's what I'm going to head for. And also, I just think if I would be able to tell myself, like, I've done it. I yeah. think anything is possible. Anything is possible. Like, I think if you set your mind to something, stay true to that and run hard for that and chase your goals and your dreams because what are we if we don't do that? Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's everything. And, you know, that's what I try to tell my kids as well. You can do anything or be anyone or go anywhere in this world 
And I believe if you want it that badly, you could even go to the moon. Oh. But you've got to want it. There you go. Is there anything you look back and regret and go, wish I hadn't done that? Or in your career or in your personal life even, that you go, that you could pass on a nice wee nugget of goodness for us? Look, I, I really... That's quite a difficult question because, as you've heard, I'm too stupid really to be depressed or have regrets. I try not to. Yeah. I, I, I don't... I, I feel like... You know, my dad used to say, worry is a wasted emotion. And I am a bit of a worry war. I can't help it. But I try and always think that's a waste. Don't You're dying a thousand deaths and there's no need to. Yeah. And, you know, if you're worrying about something, it's usually because you're underprepared or you're overwhelmed. If you can just take a deep breath and take a wee step back from it so it gets a bit smaller things are easier to deal with and I, I don't I don't really have regrets I, you know I, I've had a really charmed lucky life it's had a good few bumps in it like every single person every single person because that's what life is but you know I choose to run she chooses to run this is too good I love this woman but I have to say so now in my head thinking forward what's next for Kate Karen what I mean, the vulture oyster, but what, if you could pick the next thing that you could do, what, or you've not done yet, what, what would that be? Uh, well, look, I always wanted to do a cowboy film. Oh, and yes. I did when we were on um, Around the World in 80 Days, which comes out at Christmas, plug, plug. Yes, plug uh, away. David Tennant, plug, plug. <gasps> um, one of the episodes is set in, in, it's like a cowboy movie, which was great fun. Oh. I don't know what's next. You know, I've got the, the phone's ringing. I've got a couple of scripts on my desk. You know, like I say, I say yes to everything in the hope that one of them comes to fruition. You know, I, like I say, after doing Raised by Wolves, I, I'll run it. I, I'm, not, I'm scared of nothing. Oh. I'm scared of nothing. So whatever comes will be the right job for that time. And I'll make the most of it. But I do love the fact that you've got your two lives going on and long may that continue. Why can't you have that sunshine? And we love Scotland, but if, if you're a lizard, you need that Cape Town action. Lizard. You need it. And it's great to, for your kids to see that. But I can't actually feel it. kind of feels really emotional saying it to you. But I'm just so privileged and proud that you came on this today. Oh, I cannot thank, thank you. you enough. I feel like, if anything in this podcast, Scottish women like yourself should be getting celebrated and shoved to the front. You should be presenting BAFTAs. You should be doing all of these things. You should, Kate, because... Well, I think it's really absolutely... important for young kids to look and see. Like, just take every opportunity you get. And, and recognise opportunity and don't be scared of it. Right? But, you're, but you're a, a good person and a good soul apart from anything else and amazing at your job. But I'm telling you, like... Thank you. And I feel like I'm, I know Victor. Oh. I want to see a picture of him. But thank you so much from the bottom of Great our hearts pleasure. here. We're just absolutely over the moon that That'd you can Tony's ears are probably dripping the blood. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's lapping it up so is Jim. I can hear them in my ears. Everybody's loving you and we're just... We cannot thank you enough for Great. coming on. You're very welcome. And she was Kate Karen, who just basically tells you to run. Keep running. Run. Run. Well, Kate Karen for president, that's what I say. And look out for a TED Talk because she needs to be doing one. 
What a joy it was to chat with Kate today and what a superb ending to this series of podcasts featuring strong, influential and inspirational Scottish women. I do hope that you've enjoyed this series and it's been an absolute blast and it's shone a light on the women who live, work and thrive in Scottish society. You can find all the episodes on Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. With thanks to Matt Ramsey for editing and mixing this episode and to my dear producers, Tony, Rowan, Jim, all at Solace Productions. This podcast was produced by Solace Sounds and we shall return in the future with more podcasts. But for now, from me, Julie, lots and lots of love and thank you so much for listening. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.